We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. When it's too tough for them, it's just right for us. Where would you rather be than right here, right now? The Rock Pile Report with Buffalo Bills season ticket holder, Drew Gear. The Bills make me wanna You have a license? Yes, sir. Where's the license? In the car. Why in the hell would you have that gun in your hand and the cops no. right in front of you? No, what no, would you be thinking? Yes, sir. I'm, I was I trying to... I thought you reached for it. I knew something. No, I wasn't reaching I had it in, I was putting it away. I already had it in my in hand. In your lap. <laughs> yes, I was putting it Why away. Why would you have it in your lap when you're right up next to some other dudes? The cops walking up and you have it in your hand? No, that's that's what I'm saying. I was putting it away because I know those guys. That's what I'm saying. 99% of the time, what would have happened tonight? I would have got... I know it. I understand. I understand. You yes, know sir. that. Bad me, bad you. Welcome, everybody, to another edition of the Rock Pile Report Podcast. I am your host, Buffalo Bills season ticket holder, Drew Gear. That is my producer, Chris Kruger. And that was audio from the Adolphus Washington arrest video. God, oh, man. <laughs> Chris, well, what the hell do you even say about that? I don't, why you gotta walk around with a, have a gun in your lap? Well, I'll tell you, we're, we're going to talk about all of that in a minute. But first, I have to introduce our guests for tonight. We have two very special guests on the show with us tonight. First and foremost, WGR 550's own Nate Geary. Mm-hmm. And then to my right, first time on the show, Mr. Ryan Gates, also from WGR 550. How are you doing, Ryan? Oh, happy to be here. Happy to be <laughs> on the Rock Pile Report. So, so excited to be here tonight. So, we've got these guys in the studio to help us out. We're going to talk about a whole slew of stuff, including our training camp primer, just to get you guys up to speed on everything that's going on with the roster and our thoughts on that. Now, first and foremost, Ryan. Yeah. Okay. First time. Everyone who comes on the show for the first time, we, we have a series of questions we like to you know, ask everybody. And for some of our listeners out there who maybe don't get WGR 550, they don't okay. really know who the hell you are. Yeah, that's fine. For those who may not know it, Ryan Gates actually went to high. He grew up in the same town I did. Which is, I just want to point out, is almost impossible in terms of probability. <laughs> You'd be shocked. It's barely a town. It's, it has one traffic light. Get over and it. Yet they still found a way to grow up in the same town, which and is one bar defying yeah. physics and it has in a twelve mile period. Twelve miles, only one bar. So he he grew up. He was friends with my little brother, and then he 
left Cal- he left he left the uh, you know the, the rolling fields of North Collins. Yeah, I flew the coop, and then he got as far away as he could, like everyone does. Yeah, to Brockport. Found himself working at WGR five fifty. He now is the producer of the afternoon show, Shopin' the Bulldog. And he is also the host of his own show, The Nightcap. Shocker. I don't know why they let that happen. Well, I was going to say, why don't you tell <laughs> me a little bit about how the hell did you get your own show? How did oh, you convince people? Pure <laughs> happenstance. Oh, man. Yeah, it was pretty pure happenstance. And uh, this is probably something I really shouldn't reveal, but uh, I really don't care. So it's uh, the John Murphy show was being shifted from 7 to 9 at night mm-hmm. to noon to 3. Mm-hmm. And I was working at the time running the Jim Rome show. I had all the time I wanted to be able to prepare for show up in the Bulldog. But then I realized as soon as uh, the John Murphy show was going to be there, I was going to have to be answering phones and doing all this other stuff, recording the show. So I wouldn't be able to to prepare for, for the show that I wanted to properly. So I was like, I went to the boss. I went to the boss and I said, hey, listen, uh, I'm not going to be able to properly prepare for the show. If I have to do the John Murphy show, I just I just won't be able to do it. There's too much going on. I won't be able to concentrate on what I have to do. So I was like, okay. So what are you what are you guys doing seven to nine now? Are you just gonna go to ESPN Radio? He's like, I don't know. I don't know what we're doing. And I said, well, I really don't want to work the John Murphy show. So you should figure something out to where I can come in and I'll work until nine or ten at night so that I don't have to work the John Murphy show. And originally I was thinking. I was I was small fry at that point. I hadn't even been at the station for a year. I was uh, I was a producer. I I had the the experience of hosting the show for uh, the the golf tournament, which Nate and I will be hosting the we golf tournament show uh, this this coming next Thursday. Week, Nate oh, and Ryan will be in for yes, Open Bulldog. Three, Look at that, three to seven. And what ended up happening was I was like, so what do you got going on? Are you going to have someone else come in? Can I produce that show? And the boss was just like, what if you do a show? And I said, all right, let's do it. <laughs> what, why the hell right, wouldn't you do it? No, listen, that's that's our boss, though. Like, he he just will throw you an opportunity, and you either got to sink or you swim. And Mike yeah. said that to me, and I was like, I'll do anything. I'll for tell, those, you, from, for, I'll tell for, you from my experiences, they don't do that in a top ten market like Atlanta. Oh, yeah. Hot Atlanta? No, no, no. Yeah. It's, it's, so, it's Buffalo, so, so you guys, get those opportunities. Anybody out there who might not know about the nightcap, I'm telling you, out-of-towners, whoever, mm-hmm. you can find it, go WGR550.com. Just go stream it from it's 7 to 9 Google. Eastern sometime. On-demand audio very, brought to you by Northwest Savings Bank, where the people <laughs> make the difference. It's worth a Google. Oh, you don't have to. I'm telling you, it's a very different type of show. It's sports-centered, but I like the, the, the vibe that Ryan brings to it. It's just a very laid-back kind yeah, of... That's, well, well, that's what the boss <laughs> said, too. He didn't even want me to really... He's like, you can replay sports stuff, and I don't even really want you to do sports stuff. He's like, you can just be you can just be yourself. And I was like... Thank God. That's, that, that's it, a blessing. It, it is a it's, blessing. It's, it's actu- great. It's actually good that, uh, Ryan, you are wearing the vibe of the show on yeah, your Yeah, I've got the Hawaiian shirt on. I know it's a visual. You can't all see it, but he's wearing a Hawaiian shirt. It's Hawaiian he's got shirt a, Friday. He's got a nice flow going to his hair. I mean, he looks like... A he, solid part. A solid would, part a solid with part. a nice quaff in the front. He just <laughs> looks like he's down to have a good time. That's true. So, That's true. As we move on here, there's there's a couple questions we ask every new guest every time they come on the show. It helps our, our listeners get to know you a little bit as far as a fan of the Bills. Cool. First and foremost, give me your least favorite and most favorite memories as far as being a Bills fan. All right, I'm uh, I'm gonna go with my my least favorite first. 
And you can go, you can go with the obvious, you know, Music City Miracle. That's obviously up really there. Got, yeah. Oh yeah. But uh, I'm gonna go off the board, and it's um probably my my first ever Bills memory, and it's the uh, Just Give It to Him game. Oh. It's the Just Give It to Him game. I was I want to say six or seven years old. It's yep. when the the pass interference against the Patriots and Drew yep. Bledsoe threw a touchdown with zero seconds left on the clock. You were older than that. It's six, seven, eight. I mean, I was eight when the Music City Miracle happened, and that was before that, so I must have been. Oh, you're talking about Drew Bledsoe for the Patriots. Yes, I'm talking about ah. when Drew Bledsoe was on the Patriots. <laughs> okay. why, why would my favorite memory be, or my least favorite memory be, Drew Bledsoe, member of the Buffalo Bills, throwing a last-second touchdown? Chris and I are sitting over here. Chris and I are sitting over here in our old age, just laughing about this. Yeah. So <laughs> my my least favorite memory is is that game because I remember I was at my house. My parents had friends over, and I had all of my little you know helmet. 50 cent helmet toys that you get out of the the damn coin machine and i had those in front of me and i was hanging out with those bledsoe throws the touchdown for the end of the game like dad's yelling everyone's yelling you know i just pick up these football helmets and i just start chucking them at the tv (laughs) just start chucking them at the tv and uh, i had to go to my room after that so that's why it's my least favorite memory because of because you were grounded because you were grounded grounded. because of your reaction to a bills game yeah it was terrible trust me i'm an adult and i still get kicked out of places here in my own house (laughs) because of my reaction to bills games trust me it's i I understand you yeah so that's that's definitely my least favorite memory and it's the earliest one so it really geared me up for what is uh, what is life as you know what you're going young, through right now, yeah, a young Bills fan. <laughs> now, what uh, about your favorite moment? My favorite moment. What keeps you hanging on? It's got to be the the Patriots comeback the, game. The Patriots comeback game. I'll yep, tell you with that. George Wilson. I had uh, I had that Sports Illustrated cover hanging above my bed my junior year of college <laughs> with George Wilson. Where he's got, Got the, the ball, ball in, in the one air. hand, one hand going into the end zone, and yep. it said "Stampede" across the front of it. And they were just are talking the about Bills how, for real? Are the Bills for real? Clearly, we know they weren't. Nope. <laughs> but the fact, but the fact remains, I got to watch a kid next to me, who's probably in his—I say kid—I was probably 26 at the time, 27. I watched the guy next to me on the phone with his father crying Mm. we're in the stands and he's crying and he's got one finger in his ear and he's just yelling into the phone we did it dad we did it and he's bawling and it's like that's how much that meant to people yeah you're like it's week two (laughs) (laughs) you're talking about the patriots game yeah Yeah, the comeback i uh was sitting in the okay so under the wall of fame the the sweet the jim kelly club is that what they're called though yep those set of uh okay so I was sitting in there, and I was with my dad and my roommate in college. I was a, I'm pretty sure I was a freshman in college. And I brought my roommate there to sit with my, with my dad and myself. We were watching the game, and after the game, we had the window open. And there was yeah. grown men in tears, like yep. puddles of tears. Telling like, you. It was, it was like that game. Week it two us, isn't really even enough to say it. didn't get us it. the playoffs, but I'll tell you, right. that game gave a lot of people hope, talked a lot of people off the ledge. That literally, that literally, I'm sure that game saved people's lives. <laughs> I will say I got I got to fit in another favorite Bills memory, and I'm not sure even what game this was from, but it was when Vince uh, Wilfork hit Ryan Fitzpatrick and his helmet came flying off, <laughs> and Fitzpatrick helmet helmet off just gets Continued. up, gets in Vince Wilfork's yes. face, and just says these exact words: "Hey." 
fuck you, man. <laughs> and I was like, oh my God, Fitz is my hero. That is the exact Give him the contract. That is I awesome. I would have had. The exa- like, it's you had a moment with Ryan Fitzpatrick. It was on CBS, and they have it in super, super slow motion, and it's just Fitz getting up, finger in Vince Wilfork's face. 375 pounds. <laughs> Maybe more. Vince Wilfork. And Fitz just going, hey, fuck you, man. And I was like, that would have been my exact reaction. Now, I know that your game day routine usually involves working around the station. Yeah. That's that's just what it is. So when you do get the opportunity to not be at the station for yeah. a game, what yeah. do you like to do? What is your? Where <laughs> do you like to be? Do you like to be at a bar? Are you a guy who drinks at home? Do you like to be around people or watch it alone? Uh, I like to be around people. Before I really started working at the station for for the games, I would I would just hang out at home. You know, get some food, get some beers, hang out with the roommates. If we wanted to have people over, we'd have people over. But but typically, you know what? I wasn't getting off my couch. I wasn't getting off my couch. I was staying on my couch. If someone else was doing something, that looks good. Uh, and uh, if someone else was doing something, I would, I would, you know, make an appearance. But for the most part, I, I like to be a, a home base type guy. It's, uh, it's funny how our Sunday afternoons have changed because it went from pretty similar. I mean, Ryan and I are both there. Ba- oh, well, there you go. You're finding the sweet spot on that mic now. I'm there. Uh, is this the sweet spot? Yeah, that's oh, that sounds that sounds tight. Did I did I get that it? Sounds yeah. tight. Did I get it? Um, Listen to producer Ryan just kicking in. Yeah, you I can't, can't turn it off. Guys. I can't um, help it. All right, I'll get up and go hang up. Uh, hang out with Larissa upstairs. <laughs> yeah, my bad. You take my over. Bad. <laughs> <laughs> uh, oh man! Holy cow! I wish I had this live on on video. Him just spill an entire IPA all over his laptop, but hey, you know what? Oh, it's man. for the show. For the show. For the show. For the show. No, but our our game days have have changed significantly in the last year. I mean, last year was my first full time game day mm-hmm. responsibility. This yeah, year, it's going to be minus two. So both of us kind of our first real feel of game day production, okay. where you don't okay. you not watch. For me, he gets to at least what he's on the board. He gets to have the TV in front of him. He'll have when Shope and Bulldog are there for home games. Or I'm sorry for away games. I'm in the little booth with no TV, so I don't even get to watch the games. I have to listen to the game. Oh my god! And what I do is I usually leave. But the thing is, it's tough for me to leave in front of the computer because I need to. Con- what I'm doing during the game is maintaining the game story. So going through yeah. each, you know, drive and going through and putting this up. But not only that, but then I have to like continue writing my halftime show and all mm-hmm. my other stuff. So it's really difficult for me, but I try as much as I can to leave and then watch the TV that doesn't have volume that I'm watching ahead while John Murphy's... Uh, it's, I'll just it's say this. Fun. You guys working at a radio station, I almost feel, though, that sometimes you guys are lucky. And when I say lucky, oh, yeah. you're lucky by comparison to the people who have to be subjected to watching a Bills game with me, like Chris <laughs> and everyone else who can see... Like, I can see the game. So when we throw a three yard completion on second down and now it's third long and four it's third down and four. Yeah. And I'm screaming profanity at the TV because I'm watching our right tackle just completely whiff a block. I can see that. And I stop. don't know how to not react to it. I just see, get mad. I will say the the one thing about producing the the games is I really don't get to to catch a lot of it because I'm too busy setting stuff up for the break, getting ready, you know, cutting highlights for for Nate to use during his halftime show and his uh, his post game rants. So I really I, I say this to people a lot. I'm like, okay, listen, I, I do the post post game show sometimes, but honestly, I watch three to five minutes of the game total. That's cr- dude. That's brutal. 
I listened to the whole, the whole entire thing. Oh, of course. But it's, I'll tell you what, from experience, it's completely different listening to the game. Oh, it is. And, and that's the one thing that I think that maybe you gain the most respect for people who call football games or just call sports mm-hmm. in general is when you're only listening – the person's ability to tell you what's happening, to tell the story, is... I will say that about John Murphy, is he's very good at, at, at telling yeah, the story. Yeah, he's an excellent yeah. football broadcaster. He is. He really is because he does a great job of of helping you see a game that you're not watching. I will give him that. If I'm going to give him any credit yeah. at all, it's going to be that. And now the last question i got to ask you. Okay. Favorite beer. What is Ooh. your favorite beer? Right now, I gotta say my favorite beer is. Uh, have you ever heard of a, a brewery called Lord Hobo? Yes. Lord Hobo, the consolation prize. It's a double IPA, and uh, what? There's a story behind it. So there were uh, like multiple brewers at this company, mm-hmm. and they held a competition to see like who can make the best brew. Mm-hmm. And there's a couple of different, I guess, quote unquote, winners. There's Steal This Can, which is just a single IPA. That won the competition for like taste and everything, and then there's the consolation prize, which came in second place. But it's like a ten percent, you know. Beer. Oh yeah, you're not gonna. Ooh, so you have to chew your way through those. I oh no, I love those. <laughs> I, I am typically I am after my own heart. Cheers. I am typically a guy that is looking at at least a seven percent beer. Oh, if I'm what? drinking a beer, I want seven. percent I'm drinking plus. right now. I'm glad yes. that you yeah. contrasted so much because I think when I made my debut on the Rock Power Report, when they asked me Blue what's your favorite light. beer, I was like Blue Light. Blue Light. And I'm and I didn't so have any off. sort of explanation behind it. I was just like it tastes good. It, I like it. I like Blue Light. I like it's Blue Light. Beer. It's it's my it's home. Beer. Until I really got to know Moosehead. Chris and Drew and they started supplying me with this delicious do you Delicious guys, green bottled beer. Do you guys go to the uh, the duty free and pick up uh, big lots of packs of these? No, he gets it from consumers. Yeah, fif- oh. fifteen ninety five at consumers for, for what? For what like a, a twelve a twelve pack of this? Oh, okay, what? it's a little expensive. Well, hey, listen, Chris is a baller. Class. I mean, you're talking Chris to a guy is a baller, and he's recently divorced, so he doesn't have any ball and chain holding him down. Doesn't he, he can do what he wants? Something I, I don't no. He's a baller. It's no, difficult okay. because coming. <laughs> Congratulations. $15 is what I used to spend on a 30 Red Dog in college. So $15, I'm like, parting with that $15 for only 12 beers is a difficult task for me when I used to only drink Red Dog. That's why I go for the high percentages because I'm like, if I'm buying a a, a $12 six-pack, I'm going to need this six-pack to be packing a punch. Yeah. So... (laughs) <laughs> Guys, now that we've got right now, we've got a whole smorgasbord of beers in front of us. Yeah, we we've kind of established who these guys are and why they're kind of they're our kind of guys, mm-hmm. right, Chris? Yeah, and we work in radio. <laughs> yeah, radio guys are people. typically pretty chill. They're bros. And with that, we are going to move on and get into as we do every week the Bills news update. No suspension for running back Jonathan Williams. But what? then there's Adolphus Washington. <laughs> the police and league blotters have they've seen a couple Buffalo Bills kind of make their way across the. Uh, He's no Co Simpson though. He's come no across the ticker this offseason. and my guess is in this instance you got to take the good with the bad. Now, on the on the bright side, last week they announced that backup running back Jonathan Williams, who was arrested for suspicion of DUI would not face, not only not face charges, but that the league would not discipline him for the infraction because there was no criminal charges brought against him. 
That's a huge win for us as a football team because I swear to God, you look at what's going on with their running back depth chart right now. Yeah. He is the only person besides LaShawn McCoy who has recorded an NFL statistic in his career. Jonathan Williams? Jonathan Williams. Who, who is the other? I don't even know. Cedric O'Neal. Oh, yeah, that's the one that Joe um, B is the free Cedric. Cedric, Cedric Benson? Cedric, Cedric Benson? I, if he was half that good, I swear to God, I, I oh, <laughs> the things I would do, the asses I would kiss. If I could get a guy on this chart half as good as Cedric Benson. All I know is that we don't seem to have a lot of depth there, so the no. fact that he's going to skate on these charges, I'll take that. Yeah, I think that's... Uh Last summer when that happened, of course, the whole Carlos Williams thing <laughs> kind of took. I'm glad you brought Carlos up because that's going to be my point. Yeah. It, like, and Carlos Williams has now right. got more street. games in his suspended than he has kids, which is difficult to do. And 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 it, he's he's so you're like you you're I'm sure what you were trying to get at. He's been suspended more than he's fucking played. Oh yeah, he's yeah. been suspended way more. He had more than he's so played. much talent, and then you saw it all pissed away. Yeah, he's out for the year too. We mentioned that last time we recorded. It's not only that. If he does even come back, he's still got games to serve on his ten game suspension. Not only that, plus yeah. the sixteen extra games that he has for his year long suspension. Yeah. So he's done. He's so he's done. Shot. His career is pretty much over. But I'll tell you this. I, I'm pretty sure, now don't quote me, but I'm pretty sure that the games that go by, even though he's technically a free agent, still count for his suspension. Really? I'm now, pretty sure. Now, yeah. here's now, now here's something that I look at. You take a look at a guy like Carlos Williams. Mm-hmm. You take a look at a guy like Jonathan Williams. They Weez. seem like two very different people because Carlos Williams had his baggage when he came here. Yeah. To this point, Jonathan Williams, this was a one-off. Yeah. I'm willing to give him the benefit of the doubt. I think you should. Okay, I am. Yeah. On the other hand, I've got a player who's already been arrested for something stupid, yeah. and he's just done nothing but continue that trend as far as I'm concerned. Now, you heard it in the intro. That was some of the audio of him talking to the police. And the police are trying to explain to him, look, we're here, we're conducting a police a police action. For people who don't know, it was announced Monday evening, Adolphus Washington, who was our third-round draft pick at D-Tackle, was arrested on weapons charges in Cincinnati after police were called to disperse a crowd at a water park. Which closed now, first and foremost, PM. I don't know what... What time f- was it? The time of the arrest? I don't know. It was nighttime. The I water park closed at 5... But there were still people hanging out until 10 p.m. Yeah, that's that seems weird. But I'll say this. Anytime you have to get cops called to a fucking water park, yeah. something's gone off the rails. The boys yeah. got a little too drunk. Something's yeah. gone off the rails somewhere. So here come the police to clear out the water park. Now, don't get me wrong. I'm, I'm not naive. I understand. If you are an NFL athlete, you make money. Okay, oh, yeah. You make more money than I'll ever make in my lifetime. Oh, tell maybe. me about it. Then any of it collectively here at the table, we can't touch what they make on an annual basis. They are a target. Okay, they are a target for you know, extortion. muggers, extortion. Uh, that's Ask why Sean Taylor. Right. That's why these players carry firearms. That's why they choose to arm themselves or hire security who carry firearms for them. I get that. They are high-profile individuals. I don't begrudge them for this. Provided that they do so legally and intelligently. Yeah, you know, intelligently. This is the exclamation point, and this is what I want to talk about with Adolphus. The reports indicate that he does, Adolphus Washington has a license to conceal and carry in both the state of New York, 
the state of Ohio. He's got num- a number of states that his concealed carry permit is valid in, which is fine. Mm-hmm. But for the love of God, if you're in the middle of an, uh, if you see that there's cop cars and there's cops pushing people and forcing people out of a out of a certain location, you know the situation's tense. You gotta know that having a firearm in your possession without telling the cops ahead of time that you have it, it's a terrible idea. Yeah, my, my question is there's always the, the reporting that I, as I understand it, was that the, the gun was in his lap or under his seat or something. It was, it in, was his in his lap. lap it's and it's he tried normally to put, kept underneath his seat. And he tried his to passenger put it, seat. And he, what he did was he tried to put it back under the seat, as but the, the cops the saw it in his hand. As he's approaching, he has the gun in his hand. You, If anything, I'll tell you. You back up, you put me in that situation. A, my hands are in Oh, no, I'm not going to touch that gun for fear of the fact that they see me with it because they have a responsibility. As police officers, obviously, we've seen what the the climate in this country between the citizens and police officers is tense isn't even the word for it. Yeah. So to say, so for me personally, sitting in that seat, I mean, I don't know how I'd react because I'm not in it, but I can say that Picking up a firearm, having it in your hand with police approaching you is a, is a poor idea. idea. And it just speaks to me. I, I'm not going to bash the guy because he didn't do anything, in my in my opinion, illegal. he didn't do anything illegal. Right. Okay, let's get that out to there in the a, open. To an extent. Yeah. He did not do anything illegal. But he scared the hell out of these cops when they yeah. see a guy reaching, having a gun in his hand during a police action. And I will also say that you know you watch the TMZ video and he is very oh, respectful. He's yes, of course, he's nothing but compliance because he I think is. he knew how unfortunately stupid he looked in the situation. Yeah. And and like the whole thing with it is too is I would have rather have kept a gun a a, a in plain sight on my lap with my hands. Over my head. Oh, I would have trying just told to explain them. Officers, to the a gun officer. in my car, right? Officer, and it's on my lap. Just, just, just like that's the one. But and, and you, I mean, you mentioned it. I mean, the climate of, of, of firearms with just in, in police and whatever. But it's it's more predominant is the relationship between African American people and police officers, really across the entire United States. And, oh, and what has been happening? It just seems to me like it's a terrible, it's a terribly untimely event to happen to him. But as you mentioned about how these athletes need to feel they're protected because they're hyper, I couldn't pull, I couldn't pick Adolphus's Washington's face out of a crowd, and no, if I, I can't, uh, if I can't, with there aren't Darius. many people who can because I'm the kind of guy who's like, oh, there's the Bills' 79th player on their roster <laughs> walking in the Galleria Mall. Like I can tell who people are, and I couldn't, I couldn't point it out. But I, I get it. But, I get your point. But, and here's the reason why I think that this is – it just shows badly on him. Anybody who remembers, Washington's draft stock took a hit last year because he was arrested Hookers. in a prostitution sting yeah. operation. Yeah. I, it'll happen to the best of us, though. I, yeah. <laughs> it happens to the best of us. Okay? It's not going to happen to this you're guy. Just trying to, you that you're much. just trying to pay wow. a pretty female to, you're in you know. Listen, spot. L- listen right, why would Friday you, night. Why would, I pay for something, why would I pay for something I could do myself? Listen, well, listen boys. Listen, listen, I'm cheap when it comes down to it. <laughs> Maybe so, he wanted to all foot I, jibber. All I know is this. The fact is, this is the – And you know what? The fact is – he he's a guy, and I'm sure he was compliant when he was arrested for the prostitution thing too. I'm sure he was. What I'll say though is that given that this isn't his first brush with the law, yeah. 
and it's it's the, his second brush with the law for something that's not the smartest thing in the entire world. Yeah, it's definitely not. He's now working for he's playing for a coach, and working for a GM who had no part in drafting him, and have been banging tables the entire offseason, touting the fact that they appreciate character. I just don't think that it's a good look coming into training camp. You're going to have to look at Sean McDermott in a couple weeks, and he's going to know that this happened. You're going to have to deal with that. Not and only I think that. that I, and I just think that for anybody, you could say, oh, hey, maybe he just glosses over it and sees it as, hey, I'm not going to hold that against him. I just don't think it's a good look to put yourself in on your first day at work for the new boss. And especially in a position where it's not like linebacker. Where yeah, where we're you're desperate. Know. They've got the decent that's that D line isn't it's that not great. great. But well, we're gonna talk. We're gonna talk about that in due time. But the, what I what I think about it is, yeah, it's definitely not a good look when you've had. You know, I've, I've been calling it on on the nightcap the four pillars of uh, the Pagula Sports yeah. Tree now, where it's the communication, discipline, structure, and uh, character. Character is the last one. I will say personally, uh, I think. He made a terrible decision, no doubt about it. But the way that he handled it, I think, shows character. And the way that he he decided to act afterwards shows character. And he'll be able to go to Sean McDermott with that and say, yes, I, I made a terrible decision. I made a terrible decision a couple years ago. But look at the way that I handled myself in that environment when it was a very, very intense situation that could have easily gone off the rails and ended in tragedy. So he the way that he handled himself, I think he can point to and be like, listen, I know I was putting myself in a bad situation, but the way I handled myself afterwards does show at least a, a little bit of character. Can I say, folks, that this is the reason why I love having guests? Because that moment right there where I, I have an opinion, he has a counterpoint, and now I'm sitting here shaking my head going, you know what, that makes a lot of sense. Yeah. You know what, cheers to you, brother. Oh, hell yeah. And, well, here's the thing, though, and, and I, although I do agree with you, is that you know the idea that character is, is shown through the way you respond to adversity, but it's also how the you go about. You make, yeah. right, and, and how and, you grow from it. Correct. He had an incident And you a feel years like ago. you'd want to see more growth as a 20-something-year-old guy who had a run-in with the law previously. The, the thing is, is, obviously, this time of year is the most difficult time of the year for NFL teams because they don't have their players under their umbrella, under their control. Well, exactly. And what you see at this time of the offseason is players who are a couple weeks before training camp, they're trying to kind of get the last bit of their partying, the last the bit of their fun out. Right. But at the same time, I guess in, in my opinion is is even though I, I, I truly believe that it doesn't matter black, white, Indian or whatever, it doesn't matter, you should be able to have your access to firearms. It's mm-hmm. it, it, it's it's your legal right as a citizen. Well and that's why he's I, I ultimately believe that this will become a non issue. I think I ultimately think the charges will get dropped. I, I think I think, I think, this, ultimately I think that everything months, becomes a non issue. I think in two months no one will remember that this happened. I, but that's dude, it's that's what why happens, we're talking about it now because I don't happens, think we'll ever have a chance to talk about it. It's what happens with everybody that gets in trouble in this league. I mean, you talk about Except Ezekiel Elliott. Except Ezekiel well, Elliott, but yeah. he's he's a target. Now, you want to talk about something that's probably not going to go away and a conversation that's going to continue going on for the rest of the season. Sammy Watkins found okay. his name being thrown around in the media last week because he took to social media to comment on the contract that NBA star Steph Curry signed with the Golden State Warriors. I mean, that contract was worth about $40 million a year, making him one of the highest paid athletes on the planet. Yeah. Watkins made some comments about player compensation 
and that his his feelings in his draft class could change the market. And also about how it didn't make sense that they NFL players should be paid less when their league revenues aren't even comparable. Yeah. The NBA makes about $8 billion a year. The NFL makes $14 billion a year. It's that big of a difference. I didn't even know it was that yeah, big of a difference. That big. Since that point, other players and members of the Players, Union, uh, the players Association have stepped up Sherman, and taken to social yeah. media to voice yeah. their opinions. Terrence Knighton. You know, yeah. D tackle from What's the Washington Redskins. He had like a Twitter a Twitter rant about it. Now this is an issue that Pot I can roast. see both sides of. Pot roast. That was on, it. Yeah, <laughs> you're right. That was it. On one hand, here, guys, you have the players. Okay, these are the athletes who make this product that we all, you guys, have a job covering. These guys, Thank we you, have a hobby mm-hmm. talking about what this sport is and how important it is to our day-to-day lives because it's something that we care about. Yeah. These athletes themselves are vital to that. You know, anyone who says you can go out there and find a bunch of scabs and a bunch of undrafted free agents and patch together a football team to take the field and make it entertaining is a uh, fucking liar. Yeah. No, or you're that, drunk. That. Or you're drunk. Or uh, I don't know. Or you, or you love don't... football that much to where it doesn't matter the caliber of the athlete. You just love football that much where you're just like, you know what? Any football is good football if you ask me. No, I, I, uh, I, no, I, I will tell you before the uh, before we started recording and you guys got here, we had a baseball game on the TV, and then Drew was like, "There's got to be a CFL game on." Oh, <laughs> Dude, can we I could probably see CFL. We could probably see James Wilder Jr. Uh, tearing it up right? for the whatever. No, oh, he's with the Argos. So the Argos on. So what I know though is that without these players, the product isn't nearly as profitable. Right. And these players, their careers on average are the shortest of any major North American sport league. Three and a half? Three and a half years is the average. When you look at baseball players who are playing into their late 30s, hockey players that play until they're 40, you know, it's, it's NBA players who manage to play into their late 30s. Just all you have to say is Jeff Samarja and Calvin Johnson. Yeah. That's you, all you have to say. You look at that, and here are some guys who are great at what they do, but eventually, by the time you hit your early 30s, you're yeah. washed up by NFL standards. I can see how it might be upsetting to those guys to watch NFL revenues at an all-time high and realize that they aren't getting compensated on the same level as guys from a smaller sport, Yeah, well, mon- well, money-wise. Well, when I think of the, the average age or the average career of an NFL player, I just look at the... The, the bottom of the roster turnover that happens in the NFL, and that has a huge effect, I think, on the, the average NFL career. If you're a quality player, you typically end up playing in, in this league for, for a long time. It's those bottom of the roster guys right. that get churned over. Those are the ones that really hurt the average. That yeah. hurt the average, right. Yeah. That, that maybe get on a roster, they, they make a roster for one year and then are never heard of again because they're, they're just a guy that's filling a role. So I think that hurts it. But when it comes to, I don't know, I... I really get torn up because I'm not really feeling bad for I don't, any I don't, of these. That's, where, like that's what, where I what uh, Sherman yeah. said when he came out and he was like, we're going to have to strike. be willing to take strike. a strike. And like you said, are those you bottom feeders. It's that, like those are the guys that yeah. need the paycheck. It's I not the, the high-level paid players that need the paycheck. It's the guys at the bottom of the roster who are making the league minimum that actually need that. And these... These mil- these multi-millionaires, these tens right. of millionaires are going to complain to about bad. the money that they're yeah. well, making. Well, I don't job. I don't know that it's necessarily them complaining about the money. When you look at the landscape, of course, you should be pissed off that you're seeing people in a different sport make 
significant. This isn't. We're not talking about a couple of million dollars. We're talking about tens of millions, tens of twenty. Like we're talking significant amounts of money here. But the thing is, is it's pure mathematics. Listen, there's twelve guys on an NBA roster. There's thirty teams, and they're splitting whatever it is. Six less million or six less billion. I'm sorry, in, in team revenue. But the problem is, it's not the fact that whether or not we think football players deserve more money. Dude, NBA th- players are playing 82 games a year. I've got your numbers for you. So this is where I can see the counterpoint on the owner's standpoint. I mean, they didn't get into the they didn't get into the game of owning an NFL franchise to lose money. Well, of course, okay? they're not running a charity; they're <laughs> running a business. Yeah. I mean, you look at the Cowboys right now. This year posted back-to-back the first time ever that an NFL franchise, not only once, but twice, has been the most profitable sports franchise in the world. The Cowboys are now worth more than Real Madrid, worth two other soccer teams. There's something like $5 billion, correct? Yeah. They're they're 4.2, I think, is the number. Right. And the Bills sold for one, which is (laughs) crazy. So... There's league structure that you have to consider when it comes to player compensation, and that's what I'm looking at. I mean, you, you can dismiss it as, you know, it's, the players will tell you that it's bullshit or that it's mumbo-jumbo. There's more mouths to feed. At any given time, you look at NBA rosters. There are 450 active players on an NBA roster during the There's course of the season. There's 400 players in the AFC East. <laughs> the NFL carries 1,696 game day players on their roster for the course of the season. And that's only 16 games. Yeah. That's not 82, the right. way the NBA gets. Correct. So Which I think, th- an important I think point. this it's is the biggest point. sticking point of the whole argument because basic math will tell you that... Uh, and, and I guess the, up the pie. The, well, in the other argument, the other argument here that the NFL, I think, the NFL Players Association and the players themselves are kind of missing here, okay? They screwed up when they negotiated their last contract. Yes. Yeah. No, okay? it completely The seat... They agreed in their last CBA to receive a much smaller piece of the total revenue than NBA players did. NBA players get exactly half of the revenue. That's it. There's no qualifiers. There's nothing. Half of the revenue, whatever gets made by the NBA as a league, half of it goes to the players, half of it goes to the teams. I think more should go to the players, to be honest. So here's the thing. The NFL has this complex series of metrics that keeps them basically anywhere from 40 to 43%. Essentially, the owners have stolen that section of the pie away from them. They've stolen that 6%. And you yeah. think You're about the finance guy. But you yeah. <laughs> but you think about what that means in terms of in terms of billions of dollars and how many how how many dollars that means going to players. So here's these guys who are talking about how we need to make more money. Well, guess what? You could be making more money. You just didn't fight for it. If you were smart. Well, that's. I was talking a little bit about this earlier, and I always viewed it as when it came to the – I was talking about the NHL and how they always go to a lockout and there's always a work stoppage, and then you compare it to the NBA, which the owners Smooth. have given concession yep. and the extension is already in place and, like as owners, you're going to make money anyways. Right. You're going to make money anyways. If you're willing to give up just a little bit more to make your players happy, you're going to make money no matter what because people are going to keep coming back every Sunday, every well, night. Well, well, let me tell you why. The NBA gets more cracks at marketing, more national cracks at advertising dollars, yep. national broadcasts. They have a very different marketing scheme than the 
the right. NFL can That's some kind of that deal that the NBA signed with ESPN. Yep. ESPN like tripled what whatever they paid yep. on the last contract. Yep. That's but why James it's because, Harden is... It's because of the popularity. And, and when you look at the NFL, the NFL is at a crossroads, in my opinion, yep. where their popularity in the first time in maybe their entire existence or in the entirety of their growth, which I think has been exponential really in the past two or three decades where you're seeing the NFL's popularity peak. I think we've, as a fan base, as, not just in NFL, but people in general have maybe peaked our interest in the NFL. It's as high as it's going to get. It's the highest it's going to get, and, and now what you're seeing is obviously youth football just be massacred yeah. because numbers are down everywhere. And and the problem you see here is is the sport of football and, and – Specifically, the NFL is is lo- not necessarily losing popularity, but it's peaked at its popularity. Where the at, where the NBA now is as much as people want to say whatever it's never they want to go say, anywhere. The NBA is at peak popularity, and it's only growing. Yep, because and young stars are coming. As the much as people want to say attention. there's no parity in the league and it's not fun to watch because everyone's making super teams. Everybody's watching, yeah. and, and people are watching the NBA Finals. More than they want to watch a regular Sunday NFL game, and that's the way it happens. Let me close this whole the whole discussion out. It's a with good a little, discussion. Here's a little bit of perspective for you. For anyone out there though who wants to say, "Hey, well, the players are getting screwed," or "All oh, the owners are being greedy," okay? The NFL agreed on a salary cap system because they didn't want to see their game go the way of Major League Baseball. Right. We all know that if there was no salary cap in place, Jerry Jones would do everything in his power to buy a Super Bowl-winning team every single season, and no one else would compete. Maybe the Seahawks, because they have the owner of Nike, who has billions and billions of dollars at his disposal. And that's what it would be. It would look something like what you're seeing in basketball with these super teams just playing each other over and over again for titles. Now, the starting five players, I want to put this all in perspective for you, of what the NFL salary cap of $167 million, okay? The starting five players on Golden State's basketball team, that's Steph Curry, Draymond Green, Andrea Godala, um, Clay. Clay Thompson, and Kevin Durant, have base salaries next season totaling $111 million. The NFL has a hard cap at 167 for a 53-man roster. Wow. That's it. This is the structure that you as a league have adopted, you as players have agreed to. You've set yourself up for this. The fact is, you're doing it to promote parity because you don't want super teams in your league, which is noble, and I think it's the right... Super teams sell. I think it's the right decision for the NFL to not allow super teams to be formed. No. However, I mean, the Patriots have done it because players are willing to take less to play with Brady, but... As far as being able to offer unlimited contracts to players would wreck the NFL as a whole because then you would end up with five football teams playing each other in the playoffs Here's every the single thing. year. But what I'm going to close with here, Nate, I know you you and I could argue about this all night. The fact is you've got a basketball team whose five players make almost an entire roster's worth of salaries in the NFL. You're never That's going to you're never going to get that back as a league. You're never going to be able to bridge that gap. So the players either need to get on board and accept the reality of the sport that they've chosen. That they're chosen, not playing basketball. That, that you're not playing basketball. They need to accept the reality of that because the mathematics don't work any other way. It's just, it is what it is. 
You're the finance guy. <laughs> I am the finance guy. The I work finance with numbers guy. all friggin' day. Yeah, I'm gonna, We're I'm gonna, deferring to yeah, you I'm on deferring this one. deferring to you yeah. on the finance stuff. And then finally, our last bit of Bill's news here. Earlier this week, Pro Football Focus released its league overview. Now everyone, so people go back and forth on Pro Football Focus and what its real value is, what it actually means. Sucks. I mean, today, Pro Football I'm Focus... I'm kidding. I like Pro Football. Pro Football Focus rolled out the metric today that... The most targeted, well, the the rookie cornerback last season to allow the fewest receptions per target was Kevon Seymour of the yeah. Buffalo Bills. Yeah, that's a cool metric. I like to hear. I, I like to see things like that. Not just because it's good for us, but because it it tells a story. It says, "Hey, maybe that guy could take on a bigger role." Now, I can tell you this: after reading their league overview, to say that they're not big fans of the Bills in 2017 is uh, egregious understatement. Mm. This is a quote from Pro Football Focus's Cam Mellor, ranking hmm. the Bills as the ninth worst passing attack. I'm going to quote him here now. He's going to love this. Outside of wide receiver Sammy Watkins, 20, who had the 22nd highest yards per route run in the NFL last season, and rookie Zay Jones, who led FBS in targets and receptions last season, the Buffalo Bills have a have a veritable cast of underwhelming options at wide receiver. Andre Holmes had a decent season in 2014, averaging 1.47 yards per route run, which was good for 50, oh, 59th. Corey Brown had the fourth lowest among 96 qualified receivers in yards per route run last season in Carolina. And then Brandon Tate and Rod Streeter round out the chart. Not to mention the main question, how well will Tyrod Taylor get the ball to these guys. The only team that ranked lower than us on this chart that Pro Football Focus put together, Browns, the Ravens, the 49ers, the Rams, I mean, the only people that surprised me, the Broncos. What? Now for this passing is, attack? For passing attack. And this is what surprised me. because they that. ranked lower than the Bills? Yes. Directly behind us. Now, is the eighth worst. Or, excuse me, as the... Uh, I don't think I... Even even cynic me doesn't really agree with that. So now here's... And this is Tyrod's why... Be, Tyrod's better than Trevor Simeon and, indoor, you know, and, and whatever... And this is why I bring it up. Because a lot of people see this pro football focus stuff flying around and they take it as gospel. Or they at least put a lot of a lot of stock in what they have to say. And I'm not going to argue with them. Some of their analytics are cool to see. Yeah. I enjoy knowing that information. But here's what I don't understand. You're, you dinged us because you said our wide receiver depth chart is barren behind Sammy Watkins. Right. Well, you you put the Broncos lower than us, yeah. who have Demarius Thomas and Emmanuel yeah. Sanders, who are phenomenal wide receivers. I'll tell you, stats are the stats. What were the stats that you gave me about uh, Corey Brown? What was the stat you gave me? The stat was that he was the head. Who the fucking cares? Lowest. <laughs> <laughs> who fucking cares about how far his fucking routes were? Uh, yeah, and here's uh, the thing that bothers me a little bit about these advanced statistics. Like, who fucking cares what he does with one team in his routes? Because he might be doing a completely different thing with the Bills. But I guess my point is that there are advanced statistics have gotten us to a place as evaluators, people who watch a lot of film, people who watch game film, who try to break down the game. Me. That's what I do. <laughs> I try to use statistics that make sense, that people care about, that normal people could understand why a statistic matters, why passing yards, or why touchdowns, or why third down percentage matters. Mm -hmm. 
what doesn't matter is Corey Brown's yards per route <laughs> on his previous team or why Andre Holmes might be not good because of his numbers with the Raiders because he was the fifth wide receiver with the Raiders. Because now it's so difficult when you're talking about the scope of why you're deciding a player is good or bad. Only half of your opinion should be built around statistics. Well, then this is going to really make you chew glass because they proclaimed that the Buffalo Bills have the 27th best roster in the NFL going into next season. Yeah, Nate might agree with that. I'm pretty fine with that. I don't agree with that. I would think the Browns roster is better. Nate came on my show last week. and The Browns roster is better. I asked Nate to get me excited for football season. And you know what I did? I told him the Browns roster was better. the Browns are going to have a better record than the Bills, and I got just so much less excited. Just for posterity, Chris, I want everyone to be quiet. Nate, I want you to lean into the microphone, get real close, and I want to hear you say, so I can isolate this to throw in your yeah, face later. I do. want to hear and you say the words, me. this is Nate Geary, and I believe the Browns have a better roster than the Buffalo Bills in 2017. It is July 15th. 14th. It's the 14th of 2017, and the Cleveland Browns roster is better than the... By the way, I'm Nate Geary. The Cleveland Browns roster is better than the Buffalo Bills, and they will have more wins than the Bills in 2017. Oh, I left a dead space where we can cut that. You are an idiot. Oh, what a loser. Send me to old takes exposed. Send them over. Write it down. Oh, well, I'm glad I I'm glad, I'm glad I decided, you got that, too. I'm glad I decided to great. pick your brain about this, Nate. I you can't just gave wait to revisit me. this in February oh. so that I can be right like whoa, I whoa, always whoa, whoa. am. This oh sounds like a God. this sounds like this a Seagram's bet. Like, a, it sounds like a Seagram's bet. And why would we come back in February to talk about the Browns and Bills? We'll come back in January to <laughs> yeah, talk about the Browns. and not in the playoffs. <laughs> Nate, shake my hand. A if the Seagram's. Bills aren't better than the Browns, one of us chose the bring, I will bring the moose head, and I will drink the Seagrams. Oh, there we, we go. Shake it's a pact now. We it's have witnesses. So, so for me personally, you know, 27th best roster. Come on. Uh, they're not. They're Give them 25, bad, bad. Ryan yeah. says. Give them 25. I'm not, not going to say 25. I'll say, you know, 22nd. <laughs> 22nd. Maybe 20th. You could push them up to 20th, maybe. So as we segue into this uh, training camp roundtable discussion... I'm taking a look. First and foremost, now, obviously, Pro Football Focus doesn't like us heading into next season. I want to take a look at our 90-man our roster. Better or worse than 2016? I mean, if, if I can ask you both, if you could name one position where we improved talent-wise, one position where we regressed, well, what do you think? Let me pick your brains for a minute. Hmm. Do you guys want to know why I think that they have a bad roster? Is because I don't think they improved at any position. Really? That's what, a bold what, what position do you think they improved at? I Head think coach. Well, okay, <laughs> okay, I can agree with that. But yeah. how about a, how about a position on the field? I would say if there's a position, they I think they in. improved. They got at. better from last year to this year. Long snapper, wide receiver, maybe. If I'm, you trying. think they improved at wide receiver? 
What did they have behind Sammy Watkins and Robert Woods last year? I mean, Marquise Goodwin. I mean, say what you will about him. He got paid. He got paid a pretty penny. <laughs> yes. Yeah, so did Robert Woods. Do you think that that contract was justified? No. But if That's you're going to tell me that, if you're going to tell me that replacing Robert Woods and Marquise Goodwin with Andre Holmes and Zay a guy Jones. who hasn't played a snap in the NFL, I would say that initially I would think that they downgraded at the wide receiver position. I will tell you that I watched those wide receivers play all those games. I'm happy to see none of them back in Bills jerseys. I like I think Robert we are, Woods. I think it's addition by subtraction. I you, okay, Robert Woods is the only one I'll miss. Everyone else can get lost in the woods somewhere and never I agree come with back. that. Like I loved Robert Woods though. Robert Woods is like a he was like a Buffalo heart and soul type of now, guy. Now you know? this is what I think. Personally, I think that you don't think we improved. Nate, you say we didn't improve anywhere. I obviously, if he thinks the Browns are going to be better, I, I don't. I just don't know a position that I can name to you right now that I think there was any significant change for the better. I think or, we improved on the offensive line by what? Getting Vlad Dukas. Vlad Duclos, Dukas and drafting Deion Dawkins. I okay. think those two moves right okay. there make our offensive line better than they were last and year. And I would say maybe, you know, and it, and it goes in with the scheme change, but defensive line with Hughes going back to Deion's, Lawson actually being on the field, Darius actually being on the back field. Back to his natural position. I could, natural I could make an rusher. argument for the safety position because I thought Aaron Williams at four games a season and Corey, Corey, uh, Graham. Corey Graham at 30 years old weren't really great options for you, and then you get Micah Hyde and you get Jordan Poyer. But you don't really know what you're okay, getting with okay, Jordan. Okay, no, so I agree, hey, but okay, I, so I, you guys I think you talk, you guys are talking about new additions to the roster. Well, let me ask you this then. We're, we'll move on here. What is each of you? Give me one to two of your favorite acquisitions of the offseason. You're talking about additions we made to the roster. Who do you think that we added that makes our team better from where we were at the end of last season? Uh, I am very tough in here, but I would. I don't know what I want to say because of I think Tredavious White will be good. It's not that I've watched a, you know, a ton of film on him or anything. I'm not really your your football. Uh, <laughs> you're not the expert. junkie on this. Yeah, you're I'm not just, like a football junkie. I'm just a guy. You're, you're, you're the, just a guy you're, who loves the Bills. You're the hair and Hawaiian shirt yeah, guy. That's, He's that's the guy right. Fieri of the group. The I guy am Fieri. Guy Fieri. I, he, like, goes, I'm just going to take you to Flavortown. He just takes you to Flavortown. Okay, but you like Tredavious White. You like the fact that we added a high talent, a high ceiling quarterback. And quarterback. I love the trade down. Uh, that's uh, I love the trade so down. So you associate that with his value? Yeah, pretty much. I think that's fair. You could, you could associate it with his value. So I like that, and I like I do like the addition of Zay Jones as well, but they're, they're both rookies. So when I think of like a, a big veteran acquisition, it has to be Micah Hyde. Micah, Micah Hyde back there doing the like the Swiss Army knife type of uh Well, because this type of defense with all the zone schemes he's going to run calls for that guy. You need a guy who can play the box, who can blitz, who can play a shallow zone, who can also get back and play the deep zone if he needs to. That's I can see that. Do you now, guys want to know who my Nate, I I fear what, I fear what's going to come out of your mouth, Steven but I want to hear it. Nathan Peterman. <laughs> Nate, hit me with who who are some of your favorite acquisitions? There's not offices? there's not some. There's one. There's one. Okay, why don't you give it to me? Patrick DeMarco. Patrick DeMarco. You love DeMarco. That is an huh? underrated. Like DeMarco that's an underrated signing. People don't realize a fullback yeah, in like in that. this zone. 
zone yes. blocking scheme yes. is invaluable. A guy who can catch out of the backfield. Who think about it? Our most reliable receiver out of the backfield pre Demarco was just Lashawn McCoy. Yeah. We have yeah. no idea what we're getting out of Jonathan Williams or any of these no name running backs on the depth chart. You go out and sign a fullback who was one of the better fullbacks in the last two seasons. He's been, I mean, you look at the running backs he blocked for. They had monster years running behind him. Patrick DeMarco is the type of guy who you put him and Shady on the field at the same time in a passing down. Who are, You can't cover everybody. One of those two guys. And DeMarco's an athlete. He gets out in space and he makes plays. And you can do the, uh, you know... I can see. You know what? That's a good call. The old, good call. the old chip block and the you old know, chip block and turn around, there. get out in space and yeah. catch the ball. That's not even to me why I think his his true value lies. I I, I loved your point about the zone running scheme and what. Mm-hmm. Just look at the last two years. The highest paid fullback in NFL history just got signed from the offense that Rick Dennison was yep. just coaching. So they use the fullback. Andy Janovich. Janovich. Yeah. Highest pay. He makes no, more than of, a lot of running backs. No, you're thinking of Kyle Jusek. Kyle Jusek, yeah. And, and Dennison wasn't coaching there last year. It was the year before. Year before. Thank you for... No! Thank you for schooling, Ryan! I'm the Rock Power Report podcast. Thank you for that. So, what I'm going to say is this. My personal favorites... I gotta go with Gerald Hodges first and foremost. Oh, okay, good signing. Good signing. Yeah, you yeah, forgot, forgot about, him. about Hodges. Honestly. Our listeners of this show will know that I was a huge proponent of his signing, and I was ecstatic to see that he finally he made it here to the roster. Now, last year I called for Zach Brown, and it mm-hmm. happened late after the draft, kind of the same way this did, which is kind of yeah. cool. Now, speaking of Zach Brown, this guy had a monster season in 2016, Easy. but our run defense was atrocious. We were destroyed by Le'Veon Bell and Jay Ajayi yeah. in games that were close at the end, but we ultimately lost them because we let the other running back cram the ball down our throats. Well, I'll say with the, the Steelers, I don't think that was a necessarily close game. It was just the Steelers, after a while, were like, we're just going to They got tired, and they let the us. They, yeah, they, they, Gerald Hodges clock. plays a position that there's two people on the team that are two best linebackers on the team play ahead of him on the on the depth chart. So Gerald well, Hodges is going to have to play a position that he doesn't necessarily feel comfortable playing, which I think is the weak side linebacker. Weak side linebacker, but this is why, and here's why I like him at that okay. spot. Okay, I, okay, I'm ready to hear this, yeah. He, he comes to the team as one of the top 15 run defenders in the league last year. Mm-hmm. Okay? Sweet. I think, and, and you're talking about him playing behind the San Francisco 49ers defensive line. That defense allowed us, he didn't play the Bills game, right? Hodges was benched during the Bills game, and we ran for how many yards against that team that day? 7,843. That's a defensive line that cannot command the line of scrimmage, and yet he was one of the better run defenders in the league without being kept clean by defensive linemen. Now you're going to put him in a scheme where he's an off-the-ball linebacker with four guys to occupy five blockers on the defensive line. You keep him clean and let him use his natural talent at just reading and reacting plays in the running game. I think that I just think that he could thrive in a system like this. That's why he's one of my favorites. Mm. We'll, we'll talk about this in a second. My second. Oh, he's itching to fight with yeah, me about he this. He is ready to go. <laughs> he wants to get after me on me this. And Chris are just going to produce back here. And <laughs> my second favorite signing is another underrated signing. Ryan Davis, 
Defensive end okay, formerly I actually of the really Jacksonville do like that Jaguars. I, really do like that I couldn't tell you a single thing about these defensive <laughs> that we share first Well, that's name. why I'm here. I'm here to educate everybody. You're changing from I a. Th- the Bills are not course. changing from a three-four defense that relied on outside linebackers to create the pass rush. Yep. Now we're going to a more conventional four-three defense that asks its defensive ends to be the guys who set the edge in the run game and rush the passer. I, there's a lot of our outside linebackers that can't make that transition from last year to this year, which leaves us with almost nothing in the cupboard at the defensive end position. Yeah. So I was happy that day two in free agency, the Bills went out and said, okay, here's a guy who isn't going to command a ton of money. He's going to get average money, but everywhere he's played, he's never gotten a chance to be the guy, quote-unquote. Right. But when he's been given snaps, he's been productive. Mm-hmm. He's produced quarterback pressures. He's forced fumbles. He's gotten sacks. You know, if the guy plays ninety snaps in a year, he ends up with a sack on every a sack on every tenth snap. And he, you know, he forces fumbles. He makes plays. He's a great change of pace guy to put behind Shaq Lawson and Jerry Hughes because they're literally all we have. Yeah. yeah. I mean, the cupboard was so bare at that position that I'm happy that that's one of the first things they did was get a good signing at a good value for the team that left us cap room to go out and make other moves. I really want to address that, but I can't until I've had an opportunity to go back about the Gerald Todgers point. All right. Hit me with five. I'm going to give you a 30-second rant. Okay. It's one of the Nate Geary patented rants, and I want to hear it. Oh go. I guess I'll start it with a question. Who on this team is playing the slot receiver against the Patriots? Ramon Humber. That's an issue. Yes. No, what are you the, talking about? So a listen, slot receiver, it's going to be the some Buffalo sort of Bills, The Buffalo Bills got themselves a nice 4-3 linebacker addition They're gonna play with Reggie Ragland who can play the run. I agree. There are three linebackers of the four that are good at playing against the run, and that's... Preston Brown is all he can do is play against the run. Reggie Ragland, all he can do is play against the run. How do you know? He's never and, played. But that's what he's that's his thing. Is he's he's a run stuffer, he's a gap stuffer. He's not a sideline to sideline guy. He, he'll you tell need, you with his enlarged day listen, order that that's not true. The Patriots have looked at this Bills roster and they've created an offensive scheme that can't be stopped by the personnel that the Bills currently have. And the rest of the league is starting to run this short intermediate passing game where you'll take three, four yards on first down and then you'll take three, four yards on an arrow route on first. The problem is you don't have the athletic type of guy that can play three downs on your on your defensive linebacker position. Gerald Hodges is better than Preston Brown and Reggie Ragland at their own position and he's going to have to move to another position I'll tell you where this. he isn't comfortable being in coverage, playing against Julian Edelman, playing against Running backs who are going to be coming into the backfield who are going to run those short arrow routes. The problem is with this defense, and has what it's always been, is being able to stop the short to intermediate passing game against teams who are comfortable getting five and four yards a chunk on pass plays. There's only a couple teams in the league, and the Patriots are one of them, that are comfortable throwing four-yard pass plays at you every single down as they go down the field and score on you. There's not teams who aren't comfortable with themselves as a team, well, as an offensive unit. I'm the Patriots. No, okay. but, but there are other teams, though, that are at a, at a point where they're realizing that the league is this short passing game. 
the West Coast offense is in vogue again. Okay, and, but but and you, you can't don't rebuild have anybody whole, that can stop that. But you can't rebuild the whole roster in one offseason. No. They're inheriting a team that you're right. They're, you're changing schemes, and none of your linebackers fit, fit. a traditional 4-3. They don't. they don't. But I think that if they were that if they were as worried as you are about this, then they would have mm-hmm. followed my advice and drafted uh, Foster, Reuben Foster out of Alabama in the draft. The fact that they didn't Maybe. tells me that they are comfortable going into this season with what they have at linebacker. I don't think that I, the now, reason why I disagree with you, and here's quickly, the only reason I disagree with you on Foster is I don't think that they had any intention of ever drafting Foster. Character. No, I don't think so either. And, and not only that, but the injuries. I think that I think there's a good chance that 25 plus teams took the fact that they waited the until the fifth round to draft any linebacker tells me that maybe they're not as concerned as you are, Nate. Maybe not. So, but when I look at the league, that's just what I'm seeing. I understand. Is, is, is they don't have a – when you looked at why <laughs> McDermott was successful in Carolina, it's because he had, he had, a, he had linebackers who could cover oh, space. Jesus. They don't have people – in this defense, other than and, and maybe his plan is to run a lot of nickel with Micah Hyde yeah, as that's his. What I think is, going. I think it has where to be I think we're going. because I think but they're isn't that so like a vulnerable trend in the league okay. now too. Is that it's more so, of the yeah the two a nickel a nickel yeah. constantly yeah yeah. So we've established the fact that you don't like our linebacker core. Correct. We already know how this is going to go. Now, if I can go around the table and get from each of you, what do you think was the biggest loss we had this season? Biggest loss. At any position on the Bills roster this offseason, I, I don't like where my head is on it, but I think Stephon Gilmore. Really, I don't. I don't like saying it because I don't think Stephon Gilmore is that good. And no. I think when you look at Tre'Davious, what Stephon Gilmore, I think overpaid. I think he did oh, get grossly yeah. overpaid. But in terms of what you're losing, in terms of what you know. As much as I like Tredavious White, I don't know that he's better than Stephon Gilmore. Okay, so Ryan, what do you got? I guess if I'm looking at it, I would say Zach Brown. So line, but you think you, we lost the most in the linebacker position? A because linebacker the, who the, had he, tackles, he put up statistics. He, he had, had numbers. Tackles, he put up statistics. He was that guy who could, you know, get yeah. sideline to sideline, cover space, speed type linebacker. Chris, I'm, I'm still over here. Uh, Bob Woods just for his run blocking. Yeah, yeah. Robert. Honestly, Woods. I did love that he was high on there. Uh, it was between Zach Brown and Robert. The Woods reason that I liked Robert Woods so much is his willingness to be a run blocker. He's great at it. There aren't many that guys who are willing to. Me personally, I went with Aaron Williams. And that may seem like kind of a cop-out, but ultimately there's three reasons I think that that's the most impactful loss. First of all, he's a fan favorite. Yeah. He loved this city, and he loves the game of football, and there's a reason that no team that he's visited with between Jacksonville, between Houston, no one has signed him. Do you want to know why? Because I think every team is telling him the same thing the Bills probably told him. Don't. Football. Don't play football. Yeah, consider yourself lucky that you're not paralyzed. Well, that's what I did not. If if Aaron Williams came back as a Buffalo Bill, I, I wasn't going to be. I would have yeah, been. I wasn't going to be comfortable with it because he made a tackle. Like, are, are you? Do you want to be you're waiting? The, you're excited for the guy, but you're waiting for him to be carted off the field again. Which is a, as a fan who cares about that player. It's a scary thing to watch. And, and let me tell you from as a an selfish organization, right. as and, an organization, right. do you want to be the organization that put this guy back out on a football field Thank to get you. paralyzed and from even the neck? We've already selfish, had that. We've already had that with Kevin Everett, and I'll tell you, it's, right. we still live with that to this day. If it wasn't for the fact that those doctors down yeah. there from Buffalo literally saved, his life. literally saved his life, not only saved his life, but also saved his mobility. Yeah. They but tried a risky procedure and it worked. Say, I don't want to do that twice. What I'll know. say in a selfish standpoint in terms of availability, and this is something He's that NFL not, teams, yes. these are these are things that NFL teams are discussing internally, whether or not you like a guy or not, is can they 
can the person that they're trying to pay money, can he be a reliable source for that team and a 16-game schedule? And over the past two years, that wasn't Aaron Williams. And let's be honest with each other. he His game, after that first injury the year before that, had taken a step back. He wasn't quite that same physical presence that he was before that. No, so, the injuries obviously took a toll on him. And yeah. that's why – but but I think that his presence right now, I think it hurts us in this last way. Lack of depth at safety. I mean, you look at our safety best. depth chart. We are going into this training camp not Colt knowing Anderson half of the names. Of, I mean, Colt, Colt Anderson, special safety. teams ace, never been known as a starter. He's your third guy. Is anyone out there comfortable with it? Probably not. I don't think that Colt Anderson is all that great to begin with. I think that even on special teams, we have undrafted rookies who can do what he does. I It scares me to think of a world in which we go in here with two proven commodities at safety and nothing really, else. Really, really one. One, say, yeah, yeah. one and a half, we'll and, call it. And I would think that if you had a starter at your other safety position and you had Jordan Poyer as your third safety, you'd feel very comfortable. And it made it, well, and it was made worse by the fact yeah. that we completely neglected the position in this year's draft. There was multiple safeties yeah. at the top of the draft who could, in the first three and rounds, the fact that they, could have they, made a difference. They, they chose not to go with Malik Hooker, and they chose not to go with... I, I mean, Malik Hooker, to me... Was the guy if he had fallen yep. to, to where the Bills were picking? I was like, that's got to be the guy. And obviously, he moves on and he goes to the Colts. And I, I think the Colts got a freaking steal at fifteen. But I think you're right. I think I think the ignorance towards the safety depth at the position could potentially come back to haunt this oh, team. Oh, it terrifies me. But at the same time, there's only so much money to go around. And I do think, and and this is just a side note, I do think that they been planning to save money to go after Gary Barnage. So I, I think that there there had been some money put aside for Gary Barnage. Well, I honestly I hate Gary Barnage. I think he's the Peyton Hillis of tight ends. I think I think he is a guy he is the Peyton Hillis of tight ends. I could expand upon that more later, but moving on, position battles. I mean that's what training camp is all about. We're looking at a bunch of guys who are gonna all be 90 guys, you gotta get to 53. So there's 40 yeah. guys who are out the door. Which position battles are you guys most looking forward to and why? Like, Give me two. Give me two positions that you're looking forward to the position battles at. Uh, I guess I would say that it's got to be, for me, uh, right tackle. Yep. It's got to be the right tackle. you got to figure out which guy is going to be the starter there. If it's going to be Jordan Mills, if you're going to go with the rookie, Deion Dawkins, what the hell is Chantrell Henderson doing? You know, you got to figure what, what where he's yep. at with his health and if he's going to be con- continuing an NFL career. And then beyond that, I would have to say the number two wide receiver battle between Andre Holmes and Zay Jones. You're a wide receiver guy. All right, Nate, what's your take? My first one's on the offensive line, but it's not right tackle. What Left it? tackle. It's right guard. Right guard. Because Vlad, Vlad Dukas, Dukas played for... Juan Castillo. Juan Castillo. So you think Miller might get pushed? And, and the talk has been that it, as Ducasse has looked really good and, and was splitting first-team reps with John Miller. That's not good. So that, to me, is a position that you have to look at. As I, I think it's good because John Miller is going to get pushed to be maybe a little bit better than he was his first two mm-hmm. years. Not, I'm not saying that he wasn't good his first two years, but I think for him to take that next step as a third-year player, I think he needs fire. that that. that Right, that you really have to bring in some. Co- okay, Otherwise, I, see that. I I really do think the second string quarterback position is maybe the most compelling battle in camp. 
Really? Because you have three guys who are aiming at a roster spot. Well, you got Cardale, who was not drafted by this by regime. By this regime. And you've got, they just brought in Nathan Peterman and they brought in TJ And Yates. so you have to assume Peterman is locked in at the third position spot. So what happens Regardless. is, it's between Jones, Jones and, Yates. And, and Yates. And Yates and has proven way more in the NFL. Not only that, but Cardinal Yates has Jones played has. in this offense. Yep. And has made playoff games and won a playoff game in this offense. So now so it's a, important. So I, I think those are the two. And, and even though they may not be the most sexy, wa- widely talked about, right guard is a real battle, and the second quarterback position is So it sounds to me like you already believe that. So that was going to be my next question. Who do you think wins these battles? It already sounds to me like you have Yates penciled in as the two, and you don't see Cardell making this roster. I, you, You've pegged me wrong. Oh. See, that's I've always considered that. I think that. Cardell's going to win it. Well, that's I really. Think, I think he's going to be. Listen, wow. when you're looking at both of the the I two players, I gotta sit back and drink my beer. You're Holy looking at the shit. two players. Cardell has the. There's no question. Has the better arm talent. It's has the, the better potential. Skills. Yeah, the he's not that is, accurate, is, is, is he? Sa- no, no, no. But it's the safety. It's the idea that you know what you're getting in Yates. But I think at the end of the day, when you're talking about true talent, and we're talking about if your starting quarterback goes down and you need a guy for six or seven weeks, I think. I need to see. Obviously, I need to see Cardell win this job, but I do really think he has the tools to be a guy that could be a long-term wow. backup. You heard it here on the Rockpile Report yeah. first. Probably one of the only people who will peg Cardell. I think I might be this the roster. Only. Yeah. But we well, we, see, we saw him last year at camp, and he couldn't hit sand if he fell off a camel. Yeah, I don't. I don't. I have never watched you know Cardale in person in any sort of NFL atmosphere. But for me, what it comes down to is. Okay, you've got Nathan Peterman, and Nathan Peterman, everything you hear about him is he can, like, the way that his mind works can operate the game, but it's his arm strength. And if that's the case, I think that makes for a fine backup quarterback option for now. And you want to see Cardale Jones maybe a little bit more than TJ Yates because TJ Yates, you know, you know what, what you're going to get. You do you know what you, you're getting in Cardale. There might be starter. Cardale might be. If he I plays. think if listen, and if okay. I was, I if I was the that. Bills head coach, you know what I want to do? I'd want to start Cardale Jones, a preseason game. And I'd want to have him start and, and, and prepare with the starters so that he has an opportunity to go out there and show what he can do on preparation. Man. Gates, yeah. what about you? Right tackle. You're interested in the right tackle position. Who do you hope or who do you think wins that position? I, I think it's going to end up being Deion Dawkins. I think so, too. Yeah, it's going to so? end up being Deion Dawkins. Uh, because I think it'll be he, – he might not even show better necessarily than Jordan Mills, but since they invested in him, they're going to be like, we want to put him through the live bullets test first. And you got Jordan Mills if there's any sort of – if he really is awful – you still have Jordan Mills to, to pop in there, but I would think they would want to get the, the first look with Deion Dawkins. I will say I, if you go with Deion Dawkins as a starter, not a bad test uh, first week. The Jets. The Jets, yeah. And they, they have, like, the weakest roster. So that's not a bad but test. Their but, defense, their but their defensive their line, line is still is a bunch of killers. Yeah. Don't get – they still got Mo Wilkerson. They still got Leonard uh, – Leonard, Leonard, uh, Leonard Johnson. Leonard Johnson. Leonard Johnson. No, Leonard Williams. That is a murder – Leonard Williams. That is a murderer's row there on defensive yeah. line. Now, I will say that I also picked out of the two positions. Mine – my the two positions that I'm most interested in are – Middle linebacker, well, the linebacker battle. Gee, How yeah, middle linebacker and, linebacker and weak side linebacker shake out, but also right tackle. Yeah. I have Deion Dawkins winning it as well, and this is why. 
Last season, I watched Cameron Wake pull down Jordan Mills' pants and spank him in front of 80,000 people. And then it happened again in front of about 40,000 people in Miami because we all know Miami players. Don't feel Miami fans don't, don't, don't fill the stadium. stadium. But he was an embarrassment against Cameron Wake, who isn't exactly a spring chicken at defensive end. He's not. I know this scheme is different, but my hope is that this rookie can come out. I mean, he played in college with a mean streak. He comes into the NFL already having that. I mean, he, he's got something. You watch some of his college tape, and he's got a blocking style that you. the only guy in our line who has something equivalent is incognito. He's dirty. I would say I'd call that dirty blocking. And I like it, sweet. as long as he's I on my it. roster. Yeah, sweet. I so love it. So I would love nothing more than to see Deion Dawkins go out there and win that right tackle job because I think that that's what we need. We need an aggressive boundary setter for a guy like – well, when, when you've got a guy like LaShawn McCoy who can hit hit the edge of a defense hard you and want take a mobile field. Guy, you want a mobile guy. Deion Dawkins is that guy. He's athletic. He can get out. He can run. And he's not afraid to bury the guy in front of him and go looking for somebody else to put hands on. Well, I think you look at what happened with the offensive line last year and everyone targeted right tackle as, you know, the the weak link. And even if there is the case where the right guard is up for for grabs and it's going to be Vlad Dukas or it's going to be John Miller, that means there's competition there and it's going to be pushing either of those guys to be better. And then if you can solidify the right tackle position, I think you're looking at the Bills' offensive line and being like, there's still Ryan Groy as a depth interior guy. And you're looking at that and you're like, you know what? I feel pretty comfortable with what's going on at the offensive line position. That's just just as a group. As a group, you, you'll feel comfortable. I think even with Ryan Groy as a backup, Vlad Dukas as a backup, Jordan Mills is a backup, or Deion Dawkins is a backup. I will say, Nate, too. Well, Nate, I'm going to ask you a question here. I hate to cut you off. No, it's okay. No, please don't hate that. <laughs> you have to do it, or otherwise you'll never get a word in. <laughs> that's, that's why I love true. Nate. I love having <laughs> Nate on the show. <laughs> that's true. So the next question I've got, I've got some quick hit questions for everybody here. Okay. We're going to go around the table. What individual players come to mind when you're thinking about I mean, if you want to give me one or two individual players that you are most interested in seeing perform come training camp, who would it be? The player I'm most excited to see perform in training camp? Yep. Gates, you go first. Zay Jones. <laughs> Zay Jones, you want to see if he's Zay for real? Zay Jones, yeah, I want to see what the hell he's got going on there. I mean, the, for real or not. the kid led the FBS in... But you like look at the things that he was doing, and you can't really be too sure about it. So, Tyrod Taylor. Oh, okay. Oh, because he started camp really slow. He he like really didn't look good to start training camp. Like the first couple days of mini camps, he was like off target. He wasn't hitting targets really well. Last year was the same thing. I want him to come out and look the part like I want him to look like the guy that is going to be a franchise quarterback and I think you can do that at training camp early in practice and just just sort of stand out I really need him to to look like he's a franchise quarterback in training camp I could see that see I want like I really need I that. want I really need I want that. Reed to perform I don't want him to he doesn't even have any competition 
I don't want him to get injured because I want him here all season. Oh, you're talking about the long snap. Yeah, Reed because he'll pay him. Say it that way. You sound like his last name. I yeah, you were like, talking who, about what Josh Reed are we talking about? Yeah, for I talking about Ed Reed. The only, so folks, the folks, only reason Chris I... Chris is talking about Bill's long snapper, Reed Ferguson. Yeah, only Friend because... The show. Bill's yeah. wide receiver, Josh Reed, 2006. <laughs> He's talking about no. Reed Ferguson. Only because he'll, he'll pay half my rent. I was going to say, you know. Yeah. What I'll say is this. With Reed, I mean, Garrison Sanborn was one of the longest... Tenured snappers in Bill's history, highly paid in the league. Lack of competition for Reed Ferguson coming into year two here on the Buffalo Bills. It's not good. It it looks no, but it looks to be his to his job. It looks like he's got it sealed up. But but there's always able-bodied long snappers looking for work. This is going to be Reed's first crack at game day action. Now he was the number one rated long snapper in the country coming out of high school, and he was a multi-year. Stop it, Nate. Folks, if you can't hear it, Nate has the hiccups. Stop it, hilarious. (laughs) I've been trying to stop. Reed was a multi-year starter at LSU, and he played that SEC ball that wins national titles. But it's going to be on him to reaffirm this coaching staff's faith in him. I mean, they they cut a long-term starter for the team to replace him with a cheaper rookie option who they think can have more upside. He has to go out there and prove it. The player I'm most interested in seeing in training camp is a guy that I did not like. Folks who listen to the show know, coming out of the draft, Tre'Davious White. Oh. oh, you didn't like you like did you didn't like T. According to the local media, White was great in OTAs, but that's in workouts. Okay, that's in workouts that limited the amount of contact. You know who looked White really good in workouts? Who? Des Lewis. Des Lewis. Yeah, I know. Des Lewis. So looked really good. So what I'm going to say is that he looked good in these no contact workouts. But the knock on him, one of the big knocks on him, coming out of he wasn't coming out of college, was that yeah. he lacked physicality on the football field. So I want to see. I mean, if this guy is going to step in like everyone says he is and be our number one cornerback, he's going to got to he has to show me that he can do that. You know, down the field, I'm going to bang with these bigger, more physical wide receivers. You're going to be going up against Demarius Thomas this year. You're going to be going oh, up against. Three. You're going to be going up against Amari Cooper. You're going to be going up against. You're going to be going against Fatty Calvin Benjamin. Some big wide receivers who are going to bang with you down the field, and you can't get pushed off by these guys within that five to ten yard mark. If you're going to be a consistent number one cornerback, that's it. That's that's all there is to well, it. We did do a, the draft show that never got released because we just got drunk and yelled at each other. But I do have audio <laughs> of you at the trade down going, "I don't care who we draft." No, well, well, I didn't care who we did the trade down. Well, was just but the so fact, all I'll say is this: I I need to see Tre'Davious White prove that he has phys- more physicality than he was granted coming out of the draft. Can I can I break some news? What's that? Oh, we got news. It's it's eleven forty five fifty on a, on a Friday night. It's eleven fifty two, and I've got local sports news to break. Joe Licata has been named the head coach and the athletic director for the Timon High School. What? Joe Licata, baby, actually kind of big news. That's pretty. That is cool. actually kind of big news. That is actually local kind boy of big getting news. a local job. Good for him. I Woo. like that. It's kind of breaking that, news. Does, does that mean he's going to be off the Tim Graham show? <laughs> it's, I think it's very possible. Oh, that's too bad. Getting back to draft. Getting back to training camp. You're talk. welcome for breaking the news. Man. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> What's funny is that legitimately will break when this podcast comes out three days later. <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> so moving on. Now I've got a I've got a real question for both of you guys, and this one might be a, it's kind of a tough one. Is there a player that you guys think on this roster who could end up as 2017's version of Manny Lawson? You think about Manny what happened. Lawson. To Ma- think about it. A veteran oh, player yeah. with experience seems like he had production, and then he's just suddenly cut in training camp. It shocked me when we cut him. Yeah, what the hell happened? But he, they, is he even on an NFL roster? Lo- nope. Lorenzo Alexander made him expendable, and now we see why. So here's the question. Who on this year's roster, 90-man roster, mm. you look at, has previous experience with this team? Everyone thinks, oh, that guy's a lock. Who might get cut? Hmm. Are you saying a surprising cut right now? Yeah, surprise cut. A surprise give, give it to us. cut. Right. Give it to us. I feel like there's nothing that will really Mike be Mike Tolbert. Mike Tolbert? Is that the biggest surprise that's, that's cut? My because surprise I don't cut. even think it's really a surprise cut. Like, you got two fullbacks. So you, guys are, you guys are missing somebody. Who are we? Because I, I have it on the screen. Oh, you're looking right at yeah, it. I'm it's, looking is right it at obvious? it. obvious? It should be obvious. It's Marcel more, Darius. No. Oh. It, it's uh, Drew's number one. It's Chantrell Henderson. Oh, yeah, Chantrell Henderson. But I wouldn't even really consider that a surprise cut because I feel like so much has to do with his health and how he's progressing with all of that. that I wouldn't really consider it a surprise cut because you really he, – he had that nice – he had a nice couple seasons as uh, that right tackle position, but you're still – does he no, even have games? Does he have games yeah, still he, left? He still has to serve a few games. I think like four or five games with his his second marijuana suspension. So he's. I want to be super shocked if he were to be cut. Okay, so who? That's probably what, what would the shock most you? shocking. So what would shock you? What would shock me? A cut of somebody on this roster that would genuinely surprise you. Uh, I would be really shocked if they cut Tyrod Taylor. <laughs> I would be super. Yeah, shocked that'd be that'd be shocking. I'd be shocking. super shocked if they cut Eric Wood or uh, Richie Incognito, Sammy Watkins. That would be pretty okay, shocking. Don't be shocked about Eric Wood. Obviously, I'm talking about realistic situations. <laughs> oh, I guess this okay. Is, uh, this is what you get for bringing real radio guys onto your podcast. Yeah, yeah, yeah we're you get ultra realistic. <laughs> yeah. Pieces of shit. Yeah, you just get, you get way too. You t- we take everything guys. literal. <laughs> All right. But what would be the most surprising? Well, I would be surprised if Terry Pagula sold the team. <laughs> yes. That would surprise that would, me. All right. So moving shocking. on. Do you, wait, you didn't ask me about who I thought oh, was surprising. Who do you think the surprise cut's going to be? Because I, I think you hit it with TJ Yates. I, I think said, most people well, aren't going to expect Nick that. Nick O'Leary. Baby Jack, Nicholas's Jack Nicholas's nephew. nephew. You know what? I wouldn't be surprised by that. No, that's not going to happen. I think a lot of people They would, have no tight ends. They have no tight ends, but you know what? You might as well even keep the legends. Nick, even nephew. with Baby Hands O'Leary here still on the team, Baby you still O'Leary. don't have any tight ends. Um, can I say who my who my guy is? Sure. Most su- surprising. Still have the hiccups, by the way. Yeah, what the hell? Uh, most surprising would have to be Mike Tolbert. I said it earlier, but I could see. You know what though? I could see that. But then one of the things I look at is they again pro football focus with their analytics. Those damn analytics. They're talking. Fuck. They're talking about how Mike Tolbert actually forced five, only five fewer missed tackles last year than Lashawn McCall, than than Mike Gillisley, and at the same time he played far fewer snaps, but his carry percentages were similar. So you're talking about he made similar progress 
to Mike Gillisley. Everyone loves to harp on this. Well, the analytics say he's going to be a good running back if he gets the touches. Well, Mike Tolbert put up similar things. That, and you would never call him elusive. So, Oh, my God. I would <laughs> call him the opposite of elusive. He's, he's a refrigerator with legs, folks. Yes. I, so, Are you guys describing me? I'm confused. <laughs> All I know is that would that would be somewhat surprising, but I don't think it would be a shock shock because we do have Patrick DeMarco, and you can only carry one fullback. Yeah. If anything, the only reason I think Mike Tolbert makes this roster is if none of the running backs behind Jonathan Williams impressed during which the preseason. I assume is going to happen. I could see that happening, and what? I think that that's why Mike Tolbert. They've got a UV running back. But I, I, the, the way that I look at it is there's going to be some running back who's pretty good that's cut, and then the Bills will be like, you know what, you're pretty good. You're going to be on the roster. So now, what player do you guys think might make the biggest jump in production? Guy who was here last year from 2016, now you're going through a scheme change, all kinds of changes. Who Who's in production might jump from 2016 to 2017? Do you want to say at the same time? Oh, look at these right, right? things. They're staring Maybe. each other down. One, two, three. Shaq Sammy Watkins. <laughs> Gates, you go first. Shaq Lawson. Shaq Lawson, he wasn't on the field for the first six games. He wasn't really paying, playing a, a position that he was super comfortable in. Okay. Now that he's more comfortable in the 4-3 defensive end style, I think he, he's going to put up some some good numbers with having the full off season of actually preparing for real football games and not rehabbing a shoulder injury. All right. Right. Almost the exact same reason for my pick, except for ankle injury. It was an a- <coughs> foot, foot injury. I still have the hiccups. Dude, how um, go shove a towel over I your have, face. I think it's heartburn. It's got <laughs> chloroform on it. Anyways, um, <laughs> I- <laughs> He's trying to get Nate Roof. I didn't. My house. I didn't. I didn't know I was trying to be raped while I was doing a <laughs> uh, a podcast. But anyways, all right. So other, other than the than the than the male touching that we're talking about, <laughs> uh, I do think ultimately my answer is correct. All right, my pick hey, was my Jarrell answers. Worthy. Jarrell, what are you talking about? You're out of your damn mind. I'm not. Are I'm not. I'm me? not out of my mind. The guy wasn't bad in 2016. At the end of the, by the end of the season, he was stealing snaps from Adolphus Washington, who they wanted. Started. They wanted Adolphus Washington to be the guy, and when he wasn't, they plugged Worthy in, and he did a pretty good job by the end of the season. But he doesn't fit a three-four mold. He was in a he was in a bad position. He's a guy playing. He's miscast in the defense. Okay. Now he he is coming out of college. He was that you know he he came out of Michigan State. He was just that attacking, gap-penetrating D-tackle who could also hold his own in the run game, occupy multiple blockers because he's got a lot of power and strength. I've got a hunch that he could go from being just this obscure fringe backup to being a really valuable rotation player in this defense the way it's configured. Who was the guy, Leger Doosable, so I'm thinking of? Doosable. I, I have a sneaky suspicion he's going to be back. He could be. Doosable? He's, he's, not, still, he's, out still, there he's still a UFA. Doosable loved it here. I don't know. Well, he loved Rex Ryan, so that's kind of where I... And then to close this thing out, I've got one final question. Okay. Every year, there's a few players who kind of appear to be dark horses to make the roster. You know, but they end up grabbing a spot in that final 53. They're guys you look at and you're like, ah, that guy doesn't really have a shot. 
But then they end up cracking the roster because somebody likes them as a special teamer. Someone likes him as I mean Lorenzo Alexander. I did not see him beating out Manny Lawson for that Nobody job. Nobody did. Nobody look saw at Lorenzo Alexander beating out Eric Stryker. No, and that's my point. So there's always somebody who cracks the roster that you don't expect. If you guys had to pick one of them, who would it be? Rod Streeter, baby. That's a good pick. That's it's a good pick. All That's a great pick. about Rod Streeter. Alfred, Alfred State. He was an Alfred State boy, or was he an Alfred U boy? He, uh, he played briefly. He, no one at, knows. At one of those Alfred really? schools, yes. It would have to have been Alfred State. I'm pretty sure it, it was would Alfred not have State. Been, it wouldn't have been Alfred because Alfred State's a two-year school. I would bet if that's going to be one thing, it's going to be Alfred State. So Rod Streeter is a good one, and he, he put up solid numbers. And he's a good special teams contributor. So <sighs> if I if I had to say anyone, Rod Streeter, I don't. I've had this obsession with Rod Streeter ever since the Alfred days. Nate's whispering. Logan over. Thomas. Logan. I Thomas. answered my own question. Oh, I, I asked here we him on go. The side. I said. Who's the Virginia Tech quarterback name that's our tight end? That's what I whispered to Chris. You and see as I, was, as I was whispering it to him, I answered my own question. That's how, that's how impressive my knowledge is. So you um, see Logan Thomas making this roster as a, as a third tight end? Fourth tight end. Oh, second, second tight, tight end. end. That's ballsy. God, Nate with the takes tonight. Listen, I told you I came here for takes. It's the only uh, thing he provides is takes. That's why it's like he's he's, he's like, the hot uh, take the fireman, and I'm like the ice man. The ice man. I just you're Val Kilmer and he's Maverick. He can't get it up. That's why yeah, you're Val Kilmer and he's Maverick. All right. So explain <laughs> to me why you think Logan Thomas is gonna make this because roster. the tight end position is maybe the weakest position on the team other than linebacker. If you're looking at the offensive side of the ball, it's the weakest offensive position on the side of the ball. Um, Logan Thomas is a guy who's had a couple of years to figure out the tight end position. I think it's probably, if anything, his time to make an impact on an NFL roster. Mm -hmm. He's got the size. He's got the athletic ability. And he's got the team who has the least depth at the tight end position to be able to make an impact. And he's caught touchdown passes from Tyrod Taylor before. He has. That's true because he played tight end at Virginia, at Tech. Virginia Tech behind Tyrod Taylor when he was the starter before he got moved to quarterback. I'm going to give you two guys as we close this thing out. My two picks, Bradley Sylvie, defensive back out of Alabama. Of course, Alabama. <laughs> Are we shocked? Should no. we pretend to be? Well, I'll tell Do you, you why. have a sound that I is can a back this sound. up with logic outside of my heart on for Alabama. The guy ran a 4.2740. But tore his Achilles during just some bullshit routine drill in his 2016 Pro Day workouts. He was going to be a mid to late round draft pick, given that he was never a starter for Bama. But when you're buried behind a depth chart like that, like yeah. they have top end talent. Their cornerbacks are constantly just being cycled into the NFL. But he was a solid special teams contributor, and he's got the size you look for at six foot tall, 185 pounds. If he can move at a 427. And if he ever gets healthy, that guy could be an asset to your special teams unit and your secondary in a pinch, just given his size and his speed. And then the other guy I look at is Jake Metz. Mm. Oh, yeah, everyone forgets about that guy. Remember yeah. how we talked about Ryan how... Ryan looks confused. Remember how he's, uh, he yeah. plays... He's the China guy. He plays the cello. He plays the, the China. He plays in the China. football game. The football game. So Jake Metz was a defensive end. He's intriguing because he has the size to play defensive end at the NFL level. He's like six foot six. He weighs about two hundred and sixty to almost two hundred and seventy pounds. And he was a standout in college. Sacks, tackles for loss. He led his team Division Two. He was a monster. He got brought on as an UDFA, but then got cut. 
won Defensive Player of the Year in the AFL two years ago. Oh, then this guy, the Philadelphia yeah. Soul? And then he signed with another team and played in China and almost won their amateur time. He almost became the first player to win football amateur football championships in two different countries. What I'll you say is this. Stefan Marbury hung out? <laughs> no doubt about it. What I'll say <laughs> is that playing defensive end at the NFL level, it's all about learning leverage, timing, and having a little bit of explosiveness. If he can show that he's learned any of that, we have no depth at defensive end besides no. the three, besides Ryan Davis, Shaq Lawson, and Jerry Hughes. I feel like one of these guys, either Jake Metz, Ian Seau, one of these guys is going to step up and grab a job. My money's on Metz. He's right. Is that what you just yes. said over there? Dang, yes. Nate Geary just whispered, I'm right. That's right, folks. To me, I'm Nate right. Geary, keeper of all the hot takes, just said Drew Gear's right. And we are going to end on that note. I think he should. <laughs> I think he should. <laughs> Guys, thanks for joining us tonight. Before we get out of here, Ryan, yeah. Ryan, Ryan, you can find him at on Twitter at Ryan underscore WGR. That damn underscore. And you can listen to him and his nightcap show. Or you don't have to. WGR 550, mm. 7, 7 p.m. to 9 p.m. weeknights. And you can stream it live or find it in the on-demand audio. It's brought w- to you by Northwest Savings Bank. Uh, <laughs> the people Yo, make the They're not paying him on the side. I just want to point that out. W- yeah, they're paying my company. You, you can find paid. that at WGR550.com. Nate Geary, you can find him at Nate Geary, WGR. No <laughs> and Nick Geary's about to kick off his own podcast called Talking Tank. He's going to be talking sports. He's going to be talking a lot of Buffalo sports issues. Obviously, he's going to have some hot takes that no one agrees with. It's going to be a good time. You guys That's are going to want to check that out. You are? I'm sure Nate, he's going to be active on social I, media. I do have it. to ask a question. I saw the, the Grandstand Sports Network tweeted out that you guys are going to be live at restaurants. We are. Come on! Talking tank is going to be coming to you from a bar near you. Five bars slash restaurants are interested in having me do it there. Who are these people and are they (laughs) stupid? Who are these people and are they? I would like to give you the names, but I feel uncomfortable. That's fair enough, and I'm sorry. I did not mean to. There you go, folks. Talking tank podcast coming to you live from a restaurant near you, and then finally, Grandstand Sports Network. I'm glad you brought it up, Ryan. Yeah. Chris and I are going to be joining the Grandstand Sports. Network. It's essentially a network of podcasters. A bunch and of bosses. Basically a radio online radio network of podcasters from different teams and different sports around the country who all just want to produce high quality content for people who give a shit about it. Exactly. You're going to want to check it out. enjoy drinking beer. Go ahead and follow them. Grandstand Sports Network at, well, at Grandstand Sports Network on Twitter and GrandstandSportsNetwork.com online. Guys, we got to go. I'm Drew Gear. That's Chris Krueger. That's Ryan Gates. And this guy over here with the hot takes and the That's stupid right. hiccups right. is Nate Geary. That's right. And this has been the Rock Pile Report. This is the story of the one. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done.